took it down! Now! The Terminator, coming up next. Haven't Seen It with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenet. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, that person is myself. I have never seen The Terminator. I've seen T2 about half a dozen times. Yeah, it's, it's weird in that way that uh, we'll get into it later. But like Terminator 2 has become the more iconic and more lasting movie of, like, of the two, which you can't really say that about most sequels like, at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, we'll get into it. But first, we wanted to cover uh, a big summer blockbuster review. Thor, Love and Thunder, directed by Taika Waititi. We, we actually guested on a, on a podcast where we went over, uh, what was it, Film vs. Film podcast. Yep. Go check them out. Shout out to those guys. They're great. So, uh, we, yeah, we discussed uh, Taika Waititi films, uh, specifically, what was it, Jojo Rabbit? And The Hunt for the Wilder People. So, great talk, but... Uh, you know, we got really into the Taika headspace for now we've gone to Thor. So what do you think, Tim? What is your opinion on the new Thor movie? Did you like it? Do you hate it? <laughs> I, I don't ever want to watch a Marvel movie ever again <laughs> after watching that movie. I, you, you hated it that much? <laughs> I felt insulted, dude. I, I felt, oh. it. first of all, it looked, it was cheap. cheap oh, made. come on. It looked the CG looked fifteen years old, man. It looked terrible. Yeah. No. The jokes were not funny. I laughed I, at them. <laughs> I know you did, and I never <laughs> want to listen to Guns and Roses again. Like they didn't, they don't understand how Guardians of the Galaxy uses their like intrinsic music, where it's like connected to Peter Quill, so like the soundtrack is connected via him. They just used the three biggest Guns and Roses songs ever made in at random points there was the matt damon cameo and some a couple of nice moments between natalie portman and chris hemsworth but like him having a relationship with the hammer and like the the cheating i i, I wanted to like blow my i i felt insulted i felt like you, you i felt like i felt like marvel is at this point where they're just like we can make anything and we can make anything cheaply and and we don't respect our audience at all. That's how I felt oh. watching that movie. I oh, wow. really oh, dis- movie. I really dislike Thor: Love and mm-hmm. Thunder. And with Taika Waititi at the helm, given like his background, and even given like I enjoyed Thor: Ragnarok, I was very disappointed. And they just announced like Marvel's six-year plan or whatever, and I was like, I Guardians three, I'll go You're see, out. and I'm out, man. Like I really don't care. Good, good thing we're gonna have uh, little bumpers like this at every podcast. We got to be forced to do this for uh, the podcast. Just uh, your little homework assignment of Marvel. Are, we, or are you just gonna just just say no more Marvel? We're not covering it anymore. Fuck you, Marvel fans. <laughs> if, if it's if it's something uh, worth seeing, we can cover it. But like some of these <laughs> random ass ones, they're just pulling out on this chart. I'm like, 
this doesn't get my blood pumping. There's no new Spider-Man listed on that timeline. Like that's a problem in my opinion. Oh, it's, it's they're going to get there eventually. But uh, I, I do want to touch upon the, um, what you said a little bit about Thor. Um, I did like it. I didn't fucking hate it. Um, I didn't love it either. I thought it was, you know, an okay follow-up to Love and Thunder. But I do want to touch upon, like, the Guns N' Roses part you're talking about. I'm a huge Guns N' Roses fan. I've been blasting Appetite and Destruction in my car for a while and want to see some in my rotation. But the needle drops for it were just so uninspired. Maybe, like, it just didn't really seem, like, too much. It seemed like kind of like, like, we're talking about Forrest Gump. I'm always going to come back to this where it seemed very obvious where it's like Jane sees something that's, like, very, could bring her, you know, salvation and What's going to play? Oh, Paradise City, of course. Here we go. So it's just very, just like obvious growing destiny. It wasn't like in Ragnarok where he had uh, the Led Zeppelin scene of Immigrant Song where that just tuned in perfectly to Ragnarok and became an iconic moment in that movie, I feel like. But, you know, as much as Guns N' Roses are a great band, they didn't really use it that well, I feel like, unfortunately. <laughs> no, and I just, I felt like I saw a thing where Natalie Portman said that they filmed on a Best Buy parking lot and i'm like yeah it looks like you filmed it in a best buy parking lot <laughs> and like i don't want to hear oh they filmed during covid as an excuse like dr strange was filmed during covid i'm going to assume the spider-man whichever way home was was also filmed during covid and those movies yeah. looked a hundred times better than this one and it's w- one of those movies that they just it's afraid to stop talking. It's afraid. It's, it's desperate. It's like the audience has to like it. So every time there's just somebody running off, it's just somebody talking endlessly, endlessly well, bad jokes. The, the Marvel, the Marvel comedy thing is like pretty much take or leave it. I don't mind it because I'm that type of person in real life where like, I feel like my trauma response would just be to crack a joke on most things. I don't dislike it. I dislike it in abundance. And this movie had probably the most Marvel jokes ever and none of them landed for me except for matt damon playing a bad theater loki like that was pretty that was pretty funny and i like that and the best is how he came up he, he came up later in the movie he's just like how can we make this about me <laughs> just like when the people need the arts <laughs> i would have i would have been okay if if it was just the one little cameo but it's fine yeah. uh i can crap on a lot more about this movie hey, than that be- which is before what one last thing can you say anything good about the movie uh christian bale i thought was great personally I thought, even though they cut out a lot of us. He was in it for 10 minutes, uh, but Christian Bale's always going to have fun. It felt like they spent all their budget to get Christian Bale and to get Natalie Portman in this movie, and it left the rest of the movie feeling really hollow and empty. Um, Very disappointed. Uh, One and a half stars out of five. Damn, damn, that much, that much. Uh, So I'm going to go 3.5 out of five. There's some parts I liked of it. Um, You know, it did feel like a movie, though, that... uh, cut out a lot of stuff especially with the christian bale character um neil drops are kind of lame and uh, for the most part it felt like an enjoyable little romp i mean like it wasn't like top tier marvel but it was just somewhere in the middle where it's like that's ah, all right it's fine whatever I'll, I'll rewatch it on lazy sunday but it's not gonna be like one i'm gonna be constantly popping in rotation over and over again so chris hemsworth tried his best i'll give him that yeah so i'm gonna go yeah 3.5 out of 5 but that's thor so now we're going on to the next one <laughs> we're going on to an actual good movie the Terminator. <laughs> they come from another time. A machine wrapped in flesh. A soldier from a distant war. Both after a woman who holds the key to the future. One wants to kill her. The other must protect her. I'm here to help you. You've been targeted for termination. The Terminator. Your future is in his hands. The Terminator. 
rated R. The number one movie in the USA is now playing everywhere. So this is the movie that kicked off the franchise, The Terminator. The Terminator has always felt like a weird movie that they tried to franchise in the mid to late 2000s because you had T1, you have this one, The Terminator. Then you have T2, which is like the, one of the biggest movies of all time. Then you had T3, which I haven't seen it, but apparently it's terrible. It's an okay follow-up. I mean, it's just a retread of two more than anything. So it's like, yeah, this franchise has gotten worse. <laughs> yeah, but then they just, like, they did the one with Christian Bale, where it was like, eh. The only thing we remember about that is the outburst that he had on, that was viral on YouTube. <laughs> and then there was, then they did the one with, uh, what's her name, Daenerys from... Amelia Clark. Clark. Yeah. I heard that was awful. I haven't seen that one. Um, and then what? There's Dark Fate, which I tried watching for 20 minutes. And I got bored and turned it off. So I don't know. Wait, there's um, another There's another one too? Th- yeah, it came out like three years ago or four years ago. And Linda Hamilton's back in it. And um, Schwarzenegger's back. So it's really like a reboot, like requel kind of thing. Or it's just like now she's protecting like a new generation or something. <laughs> Wait, they. Uh, okay. I've. Did this like completely I, just like went over your head? Just you just completely just like missed out all the Terminator because I thought there's a lot was, of promotions. <laughs> I thought it was I I thought that movie and the one with Amelia Clark were the same movie. <laughs> That's where the franchise is gone. But I mean, like you know, this uh, is one of those rare franchises we're talking about earlier where the sequel is the most iconic and probably the best of the franchise. I mean, you, you know, this one's a really good follow up. I think it's neck and neck between this and two obviously i mean you're not gonna go say like terminator three is gonna get the mix at all now um but yeah when you think of like the iconic moments of the terminator two people always think of like hasta la vista like the thumbs up and like the fucking um what's it called web thing in terminator two and you know that's all when people think about when you hear terminator you don't really think of the first movie as much i feel like you know so for my first time watching it yeah. i i don't even know if you can outside of them being direct sequels is there that much to compare about Terminator 1 and Terminator 2? Like, this is a low-budget action movie with horror elements mixed in, and Terminator 2 is, like, one of the biggest blockbusters ever released. Like, I, 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 think, I, I don't even think they're, like, on the same spectrum because this had a budget of $6.4 million, a small little Orion Pictures, which, oh, I got, I, it warmed my heart seeing that logo pop up. Yeah, it's, we were saying earlier, it's good that they're back, but I mean, obviously it's a little bit different. I feel like Terminator 2 really is kind of like what Cameron was able to do with the full budget. Like, that's what he wanted to do from the start. Because originally, like, the original drafts of Terminator were that there's going to be two Terminators uh, coming back. One was going to be, like, you know, Arnold's character, and one was going to be a liquid metal character. Then uh, James Cameron realized that this is, what, 84, 85? He realized, I can't pull off the technology for this in uh, 85. Because it would have been, what, like, clay uh, claymation or some shit or something like that. It was t1000 liquid metal thing it wouldn't have worked well, well at all in the end. so he naturally pared it down well to just the one terminator that's all we need <laughs> yeah that was probably the wise decision and i mean this is the movie that really kicked off james cameron's career because he had what piranha 2 a sequel yeah. that he was fired off of like some italian bad b movie and he was fired off the movie because he uh, was taking too long and taking too taking too much time to shoot things in a very James Cameron way. That sounds about right. Oh, shocker. James Cameron takes a while to shoot a movie. Who would have known? 
Oh yeah, no, he definitely doesn't have that kind of history, especially with like his latest movies coming out. Yeah, we'll we'll okay. touch on we'll touch on Avatar a little bit later. I don't want to yeah. dive straight into Avatar. <laughs> this movie is such a great use of a limited budget because I think it's one of the best practical effects movies of its age, or yeah. one of like the last great practical effects movies because a decade later. CG starts to really take over. The, the sequel for this movie, like uh, along with Jurassic Park, kicked off the CGH. So it's just kind of crazy to think about that. Where, um, you know, I, I, there's one of the notes I wrote down when I was watching this movie, just like how well this film hides this cheap budget. Where even in the scenes where it's just like in the future scenes where Kyle's like getting like chased by Terminators or like, you know, the robots are attacking them, like the scope, you can feel it. It doesn't really feel like a cheap, like, you know, random shitty sci fi movie you'd see on like, you know, what mystery science even or whatever. It actually looks kind of good with the sets and everything. So Cameron really knows how to frame it well and hide his little like cheap effects that he got he had to make. Yeah, for sure. And like I, I like they kept showing pretty much the same sequence in the future, like the one that that you open up on on like the machine with the leg. It kind of looks like the Jawa machine from mm-hmm. Star Wars with like the with like the different wheels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I liked how with Kyle uh, when he you know he's in a car and he's looking out at machinery. And it brings him back to one of the last times before he travels back in back when he travels to the future or to the past. It's really great use of practical effects. I know that James Cameron got the inspiration for the Terminator when he had a nightmare during the production of Piranha 2 of a metallic torso holding kitchen knives, dragging itself from an explosion. And that kind of was the genesis for this idea, which I guess is a Terminator sequel, but. We're not talking about those. Well, yeah, yeah. It's essentially, he wanted to be like, make his own like mark in this genre of horror where this is originally written as a horror movie. Where it's kind of be like, you know, this is Colin Carr, like Halloween was for John Carpenter. On the special effects side, though, just uh, one last thing to touch upon Stan Winston and Gene Warren Jr. They did a great job. I mean, some of the film, especially in the end, the special effects look, look kind of janky. But I feel like it kind of works within some favor of the picture where he's also able to just hide it so well, James Cameron, where like you see so many shots of just the Terminator's foot over and over and over again where Tarantino apparently shot the scenes I'm joking but <laughs> but they hide it that well it was just you just know that it's coming in even though it looks like a cheap little like robot thing I mean it still works you know yeah well I mean if you want to talk about stretching a budget the the iconic shot of the Terminator's eye fading as it's getting crushed by the hydraulic press that was uh aluminum foil a light bulb and cigarette smoke like that's all they that's all they did for it. Like it was nothing. It was as cheap as they could possibly make it. Like th- that that was cigarette smoke that you're that you're watching. Somebody is behind the camera going. I don't know. Yeah. I, it, it's like it's clever to get around the workarounds to make your story work. And I mean, it's led James Cameron to one of the most successful careers in in Hollywood ever. Probably one of the most like abrasive directors ever and people just kind of like put up with it because everything he makes just turns into roughly a billion dollars i mean like he hasn't really made a movie i mean we're going through his filmography earlier um before we start recording um like none of his movies except for maybe front two you could say are just like no one's ever heard of him this movie doesn't exist forever it's just like you know some piece of shit or garbage I mean, like what? Terminator, Aliens, The Abyss, Terminator 2, True Lies, Titanic, Avatar. And that's it, <laughs> really. I mean, if not kind of uh, 
Prod 2, none of those movies are just like bargain big trash that people forgot about in the 80s. You know. You're forgetting Vinny Chase's Aquaman, obviously. <laughs> of course, the most iconic. <laughs> this movie is excellent. It takes a very standard story and puts its own little twist on it. And you, of course, have the debut of, or I don't know if it's the film debut, but it's the breakout role for one of the greatest action heroes of all time, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is, is he the greatest action hero ever? I, I say that he is the best actor ever to find what his lane was and just stick in that lane and just feed to his strengths, especially in this role right here. <laughs> so in terms of action stars, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you have to be up there. Top five. I mean, I would argue he starts to drift out of his lane when he starts to do things like jingle all the way. Put that cookie down yeah. now. That line is just so funny, man. Oh my god, it's it's just it's incredible. incredible yeah, you know, that's the first movie up. I remember seeing in the theaters. Uh, that's what I have to say. <laughs> so Arnold's been in my life for a while. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing Toy Story, so I think I have a leg up on you on first yeah, movie yeah, experiences, yeah, exactly. just by a hair. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit of class right there. Thank God that Arnold was casted because there's been so many different ways that this could have gone wrong. This was really his breakout role. I mean, he did the Conan movies before this. I mean, Conan two came out the same summer or same year rather and i mean the kind of movies are popular but obviously this is just one that just shot the tragedy where you had commando and predator and all those movies come right after this so apparently considered for the uh terminator the most infamous one is oj simpson um i'm sure you've heard this before but i have i have heard that be pretty fitting honestly yeah oj was not considered though and was turned down because james cameron said he wasn't convincing enough as a cousin killer so I'd say it's Toy Toy on that one. Uh, so also consider were Tom Selleck, uh, Kevin Klein, Michael Douglas, which would have been like what the weird sex sex creep of the, the Terminator would be or something. <laughs> I think it's just like a size thing. Like none of these guys have Arnold's bulk, man. Arnold is um, you, you see it when he's just fully naked in the beginning. Like that is a machine. And you see that of Arnold Dick. <laughs> see that Arnold flapping around, baby. Yeah, little Arnold. Uh, the only one that would have made sense, I feel like. Would have been Stone. Stone was the other one, uh, other one I was briefly considered because he's uh, has that same little otherworldly like physique to him. But still, Arnold has that accent, which makes him even a little bit more over otherworldly. You know, give me your best Arnold right now. Get to the chopper. <laughs> Put that cookie down now. It's not a tumor. <laughs> well, Stallone also has like the weird accent too, though. Ooh, you know, like he kind of like talks to that. I think that's where the intimidate like. Stallone has a lot more of that everyman persona to him, like Rocky. Stallone, Stallone for a while was a better actor. I mean, I feel like now Arnold just caught up. But at the time, Stallone was a much better actor than Arnold was. Ar- Arnold isn't a good actor. Arnold is very good at making movies that fit his lane and kind of move him forward. Like, you know, I think of Stallone in, um, what's the one with Michael B? In Creed. Like, he's excellent in Creed as rocky like when he's more of the the wise or older character kind of giving creed guidance right like he's excellent in that movie like i can't picture arnold ever doing anything like that and it's just like he's not good at inf- inflect at changing his tone whatsoever well apparently he didn't want to say i'll be back originally because he was having uh, trouble saying i'll and he wanted to be like 
I'll, I will be right back. And like James Cameron's like, no, fucking say it the right way, the way I want you to say it. Good for James Cameron for not being intimidated by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's like roughly double his size. Like literally could have like folded him in half if he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, like literally could have folded him in half. But I, I think this is a good representation of the intimidation factor that Arnold brings uh, when he's going to the gun store and he's trying to buy his weapons. I think this is like a very good example of, of what he brings to this movie. It's autoloader. That's Italian. You can go pump or auto. The 45 long slide with laser siding. It's a brand new, we just got them in. That's a good gun. You just touch the trigger, the beam comes on and you put the red dot where you want the bullet to go. You can't miss. Anything else? Phased plasma rifle in the 40 watt range. Hey, just what you see, pal. The Uzi 9 millimeter. You know your weapons, buddy. Any one of these is ideal for home defense. So, uh, which will it be? All. I may close early today. There's a 15 day wait on the handguns, but the rifles you can take right now. You can't do that. Wrong. Right, just the way he says like wrong, it's so cold and calculating, and that that like Eastern European accent definitely hits the mark. Yeah, even the way he's just like listing off the guns, just like literally so mechanical and so robotic, obviously, which the, the it goes for and when you have an actor like Arnold at that point, you know, it just works well. It's just like oh, this is a lane that works well. I can do this. <laughs> Act very monotone. Because I think that's when he's at his best, right? Like when, do I need to play, put that cookie down again? You know, like when he tries to inflict, yeah. he just sounds so goofy and silly. Or like if you yeah. think of Dr. F- him as Dr. Freeze and Batman and whichever. Mis- Mr. Freeze. <laughs> I think he's a doctor, but whatever. But yeah, exactly. It's just stupid fucking puns or whatever. And like, you know, in the 90s, he really like played on stage a little bit more. He was able to make fun of him just doing like insane, stupid one-liners. They're so cheesy. Um, I want to shout out though the gun store clerk in that scene, uh, Dick Miller. He's been popping up at Gremlins. He was a great ace character actor. He popped up in like all these like random movies like this. <laughs> Ryan originally wanted Arnold to be Kyle Reese, which I think would have been terrible, and this movie would not have been a hit. And it was the studio who really wanted him. Cameron was like, I don't want this guy. Like, I I don't know how he would feel. Like, we need somebody more famous to play the Terminator. So when he met with Schwarzenegger, he was going to try to, like, initially turn him down, just be very combative towards Arnold and just make him want not want to do the role. But after, like, hearing him talk about how he would portray the villain, he, like, sketched his face, saw it as... The robot and said he's not playing Kyle Freese, but he would make a hell of a Terminator. It it is funny though, just to think like um, like how many people like just didn't have faith in this movie. You know? Even though Arnold had that meme of camera where he came up very well, it's just so funny to think that just like once again James Cameron just trying to piss off Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like what what do you think is going to happen here, James Cameron? <laughs> Listen, that that's a man with Napoleon syndrome pouring out of his rear, and nothing scares him. I got to give him that man. Yeah, exactly. Dude has some balls. <laughs> Dude, he's releasing Avatar 2 12 years after the movie was released and or 13 years and 12 years since Avatar has even been remotely relevant. That takes 
balls of stone. I, I that's like one of the things. Where like, I'm very curious to see how the box office is going to go. And I'm sure it'll be like do well, but it's going mean, to like, kill. It's going to kill. Avatar dude. three is already coming out. Avatar four is already in the way. I mean, I know this is. I think he filmed all of them together, right? Like Avatar two through five or whatever he's doing with yeah, them. Yeah. Like they're set to come out sequentially. It's pretty much he just loves those blue cat people. So people like this was like we said earlier is big break where like literally like when James Cameron was writing this movie he uh, according to Lance Henderson James Cameron was like living in his car and sleeping on his couches and like he wasn't really had that much going right there and when Arnold was cast in the movie he was interviewed on the set of the Conan sequel about this so he's like oh what's the Terminator and he's just like oh this is some shit movie I'm doing uh, take a couple of weeks and even Arnold was saying at the time Arnold said like a retrospective he said. This was a small movie. We really had to cut costs all the time. We shot it very quickly. We thought it was a very good story and be successful, but we thought it'd be for like a certain niche audience only. Uh, no one suspected it would be what it ended up becoming, which is like, you know, Time Magazine's top 10 movies of the year, like one of the most successful franchises. So the movie in 1990 sequel, Terminator 2 is one of the most successful movies in the 90s period. And now it's an iconic franchise that launched pretty much two careers. <laughs> when you think back on it, like I could... It's. I think it's just hard with any small budget movie to picture it becoming a wild success unless you're delusional. Yeah. Be- because like it, you have a six point four million dollar budget, you're doing all these little workarounds to film your th- sequences. And Arnold's right. He's like, yeah, like we we thought it was a good story, and it does have a really good story. It does a really good job of making Sarah Connor really relatable to the audience in the first 15, 20 minutes. And also it does a really good job of letting the story play out before putting the exposition dump onto you, right? Because like, if you're watching this 1984 first audience, you don't have any knowledge of the Terminator franchise at all. You get the little story of the back and you see the two guys come from the future to the past, right? And Arnold just starts killing every Sarah Connor in the phone book before they get to, before he gets to the Sarah Connor that he's actually there to terminate. And I think it's like really effective because like if you don't know exactly what he is and it's not it's not fully explained to you until like the 50 minute to an hour mark in the movie. Yeah, this is one thing I was wondering when watching it. I mean, I, I love that they, you know, like the guns start playing uh, Clark scene where they let Arnold as the villain just like have scenes to himself where he's just pretty much just like this day to day, like, life you know in the past uh, live in the past forever but i was curious to think like do you think the movie would have worked if uh it would have been entirely from sarah's pov point of view and you weren't sure if kyle reese was like some nut job or if he was telling the truth no because mm. yeah. as i was kind of like saying in the first 40 minutes of the movie you're not really sure what arnold is you know you get the sense that he's not human but they like they don't even show the computer scanning thing from his perspective until it's revealed that he's a robot, right? Like, which is really good storytelling. Don't drop that bomb on your audience too early. I think it does a lot of really clever, like little stealth pieces. I think of when Kyle Reese arrives in the past and the cops catch him almost immediately and he has to do his little workaround in the department store, gets the sneakers, gets the trench coat, sneaks out gets the gun from the cop car and and like walks away shadily. It does a really good job of building the tension in that way where you don't know who's on whose side, like what each other's intentions are. Because I don't, 
I think if I'm remembering correctly, it's like you get Arnold's arrival, you get Kyle Reese's arrival, and then you cut to Sarah Connor going yeah, to be yeah. a waitress so, at the restaurant. I think that you at least get like a little bit of a hint that like Arnold's character is like a bad guy because he beats up those punks. Shout out to Bill Paxton as one of the punks right there. You at least get that, whereas Kyle's more just like kind of just like trying to get away from the moment. So at least it gives you like a little bit of hint there. This movie like is full of so much like, you know, exposition drops where it could have been very clunky. It could have just been like, you know, Kyle, let me sit you down. But the way they do it, I really liked where it was essentially a lot of the exposition was just dropped where Kyle's in the car getting chased by the Terminator with uh, Sarah Connor right next to him. And he's just like, all right, I know this is crazy. Here's what the fuck is going on right now. And we're getting chased by this guy. And this is why. And just, you know, in the action still is thrown why he's still in this exposition. So he, uh, uh, James Cameron framed that in a very just exciting and engaging way. And in an, an intelligent way. Because I think yeah. it's, it's you like one sequence out of place in this movie can very easily fall apart. Yeah. You reveal something to the audience too early. It's unfortunate from my perspective watching it for a first time. Like I know what goes on in the Terminator franchise. So like I'm aware that Arnold's the villain, right? But it must have been like very shocking to an audience at the time, like watching the story unfold, which I think is different from other, even though it follows very similar action story beats. I think the way that it's all introduced to you and laid out because it's, it's got your very typical hero's arc. But I think this conveys the information to you in a different way. And I think you, you know, I usually say you need, I usually think in horror movies, the less you see of the monster, the better, because this is a monster movie in essence. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask you, because uh, we got into an argument recently. We don't want to like you know, burn the person who said this, but they got in a fight if us really said that the Terminator wasn't a horror movie. Now, after you finally saw it, would you agree with me that Terminator is a horror movie? I think it has horror. It's it's action horror slash horror, but it's not like yeah. a traditional horror movie. I, I'd I, say it's action slash. Yeah. I think it has, I think Arnold's a movie monster. I, I think mm-hmm. the Terminator is. Since normally the monsters are creatures or whatever, right? Like the thing, the blo- whatever this is a person though. So you need to kind of get through your head that this person is ruthless and will stop at nothing to achieve their objective. If you didn't have that, you wouldn't have the context. Like if the context was just that, if you, if this was told through Sarah Connor's POV and it was just her seeing the news story that a bunch of Sarah Connors, you know, have died through the area, right? Like, I don't think it's as effective if then in the scene in the dance club, that's the first time we see Arnold. That's too late into the movie. Yeah, it, it would have been too confusing. It would have been too much to explain at once or be like, why is this happening? In terms of this being a horror movie, um, you know, the scene of her roommate Ginger getting attacked by uh, the T-800 uh, in the apartment is least least enough of a slasher movie right there. Where just, you could easily see that being a scene of like, you know, your Michaels or your Jasons or whatever just doing that scene instead. So he really cribs from that a little in some scenes, you know? <laughs> yeah. It has the elements of it there. It's ultimately paced like an action movie and it's ultimately delivered like an action movie. But when you throw a movie monster on top of that and you give it enough specks of horror elements mm-hmm. to, to frighten the audience of the creature of the machine, then it works. But at, like after the first act, maybe a little bit into the second act, the horror element's gone and he's too he's too ruthless though to be like filmed well in a monster movie well yeah yeah i mean he's not really hitting the shadows that much or anything like that the movie up until the third act i'd say kind of bans the horror stuff for a little bit 
where there's just a good chunk of this movie that's essentially just a chase film over and over again and like you know there's very quick like scenes of like where you get a quick breath of them like you know there's the sex scene or like you know them just like you know talking it out a little moment's brief at the same point you know underneath it the whole time that like t-100's out there he's probably not that far behind them yeah you definitely feel the tension in it too and they also do a really good job of introducing the the phone trick that, that they can do where they can take somebody's voice and imitate them over the phone mm-hmm. where Sarah's talking to her mom, quote unquote, and then you cut into the house and you already know what's happening, but then you cut, to, you're like, okay, is he holding her hostage or whatever? And then you just cut to Arnold being like, I love you in the mother's voice and then hanging up very menacing stuff where like the T2, it's not really a horror movie at all. There, there's like some slight scenes, but I would say overall it's action. If it's, yeah. But sprinkling elements from different genres is fine. That doesn't like define it as that genre. And I could yeah. see why you wouldn't want to define The Terminator as a horror movie because I think it's first an action movie. But I think like this, a lot of the setups are very horror esque. And Arnold being a movie monster in and of himself makes him that. I just think because you have to introduce this character so atypical from your typical movie monsters that you have to I, I could see where the line gets confused but i do think arnold i do think he's a, a movie monster for sure yeah he's definitely up there it's like one of the more iconic villains which you know it, it's i don't want to get too touch too much on t2 as much as we already have but like it would, it would have been great to see this movie and then go to t2 completely blind not knowing that arnold was going to be the hero in that one because the trailers apparently spoiled that movie. <laughs> oh did they because like i think arnold was pissed about that too right like he didn't yeah. he wanted it to be a surprise for the audience and of course they yeah spoil it and then terminator 2 they immediately had to open up like the uh trailer being like this time he's fighting for us <laughs> schwarzenegger himself though, i mean like listen like fucking dude has only 14 lines <laughs> yeah i mean listen his presence is more than enough i mean he's yeah. austrian bodybuilder and you can see that physique throughout the entire movie like it's smart it's that's smart use of arnold 14 lines of dialogue you you know vader is on the screen in the original star wars for 11 minutes that's why he's so effective because you don't you don't see him that much but you get just enough of to get the intimidation of the character but you know in the contrast to that our heroes of the movie linda uh linda hamilton as sarah connor and who plays kyle reese again uh michael bean Michael Bean as Kyle Reese. Kyle Reese ends up being John Connor's father. Real Marty McFly, like what? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's sent back by John himself to protect his mother when he finds out that the Terminator is coming to kill her in the past to stop John from being able to lead the resistance. Like, what did you think of their relationship? Like, how natural did it did it feel to you? I think the chemistry was good in the sense that, like, you know, they as much as I was saying earlier, this movie is just like a chase film at one point. They did get enough moments together of just figuring stuff out. And uh, I just love the sense of scenes of them just like talking together and just like, what's the future like? Yeah, well, I think it's it's very interesting when she asks about her son. You get to see like kind of the, I think Sarah Connor is, especially in this first one, not so much in the later ones, but and especially T2, but she's very empathetic to an audience in this movie. And I think this is very good understanding the dynamic of the relationship and kind of her softer side that as the franchise goes on you see less and less and less of tell me about my son it's about my height 
has your eyes. What's he like? You trust him. He's got a strength. I'd die for John Connor. At least now I know what to name him. Don't suppose you know who the father is, so I won't tell him to get lost when I meet him. And John never said much about him. I know he dies before the Wait. war. Wait. I don't want to know. So, was it John that sent you here? I volunteered. Why? There's a chance to meet the legend. Sarah Connor. Taught her son to fight. Organize. Prepare from when he was a kid. When you were in hiding before the war. Right, like I think that's just like the like I feel like her warmth really comes out during those during that scene and like her curiosity about the future and that she's starting to like accept that this is the reality and this journey is kind of being thrust upon her whether she wants it or not. It it's also weird. I I just was realizing this now when we listen over that. It's how many movies can you say like have a romantic scene? That's just pure exposition being delivered. <laughs> None. Not many. Yeah, yeah, not many. I mean, like again, like that's the way this is, you know, one of the most emotional and like connecting moments of the movie. But at the end of the day, all it is just establishing the scene is just there to establish who she is gonna be the future um mother of. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's about the character, but it's about something the character hasn't experienced yet, but in this reality, yeah. it 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 has ha- it, it has happened in the future, right? And I'm not gonna. I I always think with time travel movies of the scene in Austin Powers two, where they're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go back to 1969." Oh well, if I'm going back to six, 1969 and my body's there, and he goes, "Oh no, I've gone cross-eyed." He's like, "Don't worry about that, Austin. We've gotten taken care of." And then he then uh, Basil exposition turns to the audience. That goes the same for you as well. Like just completely breaking the fourth wall, just being like, "Don't." Yeah overthink it 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 is what it is man it's time travel yeah i I think with this like type of movie like uh, time travel movies in general i think the more you have to think about it the less effective it is especially with this if time travel rules were super fucking complicated if everything then it'd just be like it's just a bore of a movie i mean like there's that movie uh like from 20 years ago called primal there's a time travel movie and you watch the whole thing or primer and you don't even know what the fuck is going on in the whole movie you have to like read the wikipedia summary you have to be like read over the wikipedia summary over and over again just understand the movie's about it's like oh god this is exhausting so i'm glad they didn't go this route with it. <laughs> well i guess i know what movie we're never covering on this podcast that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's literally just a movie that's just like try and see if you can understand what the fuck you just watched <laughs> it feels like a like a really snooty director made it mm-hmm. like some you know some still has that film school edge but actually got a budget to make a movie and be like no you you can understand it you just have to read these paragraphs of synopsis it's like it's like if you're if your movie wants me to do like homework on your fucking movie then it's just like no <laughs> i say as i just did like fucking like an hour of research on this movie right now <laughs> look you're you're talking about it on podcast i look that's at different it, yeah i look at it from like marvel movies where they want me to watch all their spinoff tv shows so i can get like 
a, two single references in a in a movie. Like I think of Doctor Strange. Like somebody's like, "Oh, you wouldn't fully get it though, man. You you didn't watch WandaVision." I'm like, "They kind of explain what happened," and I'm sure I missed a. Oh yeah, um, it, I, I'm sure I missed a reference, but like I don't need to do this kind of homework, man. To to it's, to enjoy it's a getting movie. the point. They're getting that breaking point of Marvel right now, where it's just like that's too complicated. But I mean, even even if the further Terminator movies, I mean, one and two are very clean of the rules. I think it slowly starts getting a little bit out of hand once you get to three. And like, I think five was just like, oh, we're rewriting the past even again, and you know things are different from the first movie. It's just like too heady. It's just like you need to simplify the process right here. And James Cameron kept a very lean story here. It worked. <laughs> that's why I think canon. It's a bunch of bullshit. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Who is the star of this movie? I, I think it's interesting to ask in this because it's very clear who the breakout star of this movie is. Uh, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, as, as we've discussed. Yeah. <laughs> But like, I don't think he gives the best performance in the movie. I mean, his intimid, his physical intimidation is there and it, it's present throughout the movie, but that's just who he is, right? Like, I think you need Sarah Connor to work just as much as you need the Terminator to be intimidating. If she was some like, just like boring stock final girl character from like your typical AR movie, it wouldn't have worked because... You wouldn't have really cared as much. You would have just wanted to see Arnold kill these people. And that's the worst thing you can get into a type of movie like this. <laughs> I think Arnold, I think Arnold's obviously the breakout star, but even um what's what's his name? Michael Bean. Michael Bean, I think he's very good too at kind of delivering exposition and kind of being your he's your device in any kind of like hero's journey to introduce you to the adventure and introduce you to the to the elements of the world that the audience themselves is unfamiliar to. But I think you need Sarah Connor to be empathetic. And I think Lendl Hamilton's performance at performances will always kind of be undercut because of what Arnold became because of this movie. I, I think that she's more iconic in the second movie, at least as like she's become like, yeah. The second movie is more iconic than the first one. In general, as, as we've discussed, yeah. In this movie, she really holds it together and gives it that emotional core that it really needs in order to resonate. The obvious answer, yeah, he says Arnold, and I probably would put that as my answer, but I think that she's what makes the film more more than Arnold. Because you could have had, honestly, if you had like a different actor in the role, it could have probably been played by someone else. And Michael, Michael Bean was good too. Like you had really yeah. solid performances. Shout out the cops for being just your typical 80s movies cops. Oh, God, yeah, exactly. That's what frustrated me because, like, you know, a typical AIDS movie or like, you know, horror movie where it's just like, oh, we don't believe you. It's so frustrating watching that shit play out. <laughs> Sorry, no human, uh, like, I know there's a lot of crazy people that shoot up places. No lunatic uh, that's a human is going to walk yeah. into a police station with an ache, with a machine gun and a shotgun and just slaughter literally every single person. Yeah, I, I want to shout out to Lance Henrik Henriksen in this movie uh, as one of the police officers who says like, "Oh, he must be on PCP." Oh, I love uh, that. That line made me chuckle. Also, yeah. I want to shout out the guy in the beginning, the truck driver in the beginning, just your classic like extra, and he's just like when Arnold's arriving, and he's just like, "What the hell?" 
delivery of that perfect line, line. I was just like a perfect yeah. opening line for this movie. You're just like, because that's what you're thinking too. You're like, what the hell's going? What the hell's going on here? The one last shout out for me is uh, Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen in general because they're the only actors to ever been killed by a Terminator, an alien from the Alien movies, and uh, Predator. <laughs> so a little fun. Do you think they have like an a, an a, like an award somewhere in their house? To yeah, like well, R.I.P. Bill Paxton. I'm sure Lance Henriksen's proud about it too, because <laughs> he's an old. I forgot Bill Paxton's dead. That's sad, man. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Would the Terminator work as a Muppet adaptation, Tommy? No, but I, I'm trying to like play it out in my head right now. Sam the Eagle would have to be the Terminator. I feel like. No, you you have to you have to keep Arnold as the Terminator. Arnold would be the one that you keep. <laughs> well, because I, I, I would like to see the point where, like, you know, at the end of the movie, instead of it just like breaking down to being a cyborg, it breaks down to be like more and more and more of like a fucking like felt stick puppet or something like that, where it's just like a guy's hand or something like that coming after you at the end. <laughs> Listen, that would be funny. <laughs> I think it'd be a lot more funny watching like Kermit and Piggy just kind of like hop away awkwardly from like stringed marionettes <laughs> sounded chasing yeah in those chase scenes and stuff like i think that would be funny but like you have to keep arnold in that role like uh, if you're going to do a muppet adaptation of this movie yeah this is another one kind of like air force one where it's like action doesn't really suit the muppets that well even though i'd like to see it like i think thrillers do but not with like too too much action and this is just too much action too much yeah. sci-fi going on and too much like the audience needs to get an understanding of the world that they're in for Muppets to work. But, you know, I would like to see a Terminator Muppet adaptation because <laughs> like, why the hell not? Yeah. yeah just make it happen. <laughs> just so review time, Tommy, give us your score. Like you, I only saw this movie actually about a year ago. So even though I've seen T2 and T3 multiple times about the years, this movie um, on this is probably my second rewatch. I found it just very effective, very engaging, fun little chase movie right here. And there's sort of an all-time villain in Arnold Schwarzenegger right here. And the chemistry of Lyndall Hennington and Michael Bean really keep it together. The concept, an all-time sci-fi concept, I'd say. So I'm going to give this 4.5 out of 5. Uh, really fun, really engaging. Yeah, it's a movie that it's tough to complain about. I, and I think almost the production history and kind of like the legacy of the movie's more interesting than the movie itself because it's your very standard Orion picture from that time in terms of budget, in terms of scale. You really see why James Cameron went on to have one of the most illustrious careers in the history of Hollywood. Arnold's a great intimidating villain. Linda Hamilton really brings a lot of empathy and allows the audience to connect to somebody in this weird sci-fi movie. Uh, the effects look really good. Like a, You really have to do give your props to the practical effects of this movie it's one of the last of its kind i'm gonna give this a four out of five wonderful introduction to a franchise that has one other movie and then a bunch of crap after that nobody nobody needs to watch yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> tommy any final thoughts uh so thanks again for listening guys uh leave us five stars on spotify apple wherever you get your podcast really helps us out and also follow us on social media we're on twitter instagram and uh tiktok at scenic pod and yeah so we're gonna have a good month coming up uh we haven't determined our schedule yet but we have some good movies that we're picking up so you're right <laughs> thank you all so much for listening we'll see you again next week